So, are you degrumpified? Did you have good dance? Mm, yeah, it was pretty good. And I did not go to bed early like I said I was going to. Why not? To bed. I don't know. There's like this witching hour late at night when you think it's one hour and then a moment passes and all of a sudden you look at the clock and it's three hours later and you have no idea how that happened. Well, that happened last night. I wasn't even doing anything. I think I was just sitting. <laughs> I wasn't even on my computer. Were you in a meditative state? I don't know. I mean, apparently. Reddit? No, I wasn't on my computer. It. I wasn't reading. Maybe I was on my phone. I don't... It was very surprising. Yeah, no, I've been there before many times. I, I, I mean, we haven't really talked about it that much but you know i don't sleep really <laughs> i think i'm part vampire <laughs> are you part of the colin clan <laughs> oh no not that kind of vampire <laughs> that's the only not, vampire i know not not the not the wussy moody vampire <gasps> oh are you sure <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm i feel like i'm properly addressing our audience by calling the collins out for what they are a bunch of weird slightly pervy <laughs> wussy moody vampires <laughs> well it's no abraham lincoln vampire hunter vampire yeah. hunter hunter right i mean vampire. clearly abraham lincoln would have killed all the cullens <laughs> they would not have been able to resist his oratory skills <laughs> Growth mindset. Growth mindset. Stretches calisthenics. Let's get ready to do this thing. <laughs> Let's get ready. What do you want to talk about today? That's a great question. I don't. I don't know. I was looking through the topic list. Mm-hmm. We there there are a lot of threads we could pick up from last time if we wanted. We could. There are many many threads. <laughs> <laughs> I heard from one of our intrepid listeners that if we talk about specific things like scientifically known things uh, such as imposter syndrome, they would appreciate us looking it up on Wikipedia <laughs> ahead of time and or, well, really all this person said was that they would appreciate a definition. Oh, because they weren't familiar with this term and we were using it willy-nilly. Right. Well, they said they had actually become familiar with it recently and they could they appreciated that many people might not know what it what it is. Oh. So, did you see this in the responses? Uh, I got a direct I got a direct message. Oh. Yeah. Not I don't want to I mean, I don't want to out anybody. Oh, of course not. I'm not asking you to. I was just curious if someone gave that feedback on our feedback form no, that we put in the show notes another time. No, no, this was this came through through other means. Mm-hmm. I received a telegram. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we talk about something scientific, well, then we can reference Wikipedia or something earlier. or define it at least. Define it, yeah. yeah. We'll do better. We'll do better intrepid audience. Yes. Um for example, what is the definition of intrepid? 
I don't, I don't think that's like a scientific <laughs> term. The definition of intrepid is fearless, adventurous, often used for rhetorical or humorous effect. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I think we got it. We nailed okay. it. Nailed it. Moving on. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I, I looked at the the list and there's a lot of good stuff on there. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it might be kind of interesting to talk about the the who's doing work you're jealous of and why. Oh. Have you thought about that? I mean, I think that was your question. Or was it my question? I think that was your question. I wouldn't say that. You wouldn't you wouldn't say you're jealous of other people's work. I think I saw that question and then I put the question underneath it that says, "Who do you admire? What are characteristics of people you admire?" I think that question would be too revealing for you right now. <laughs> Perhaps so, so we can shelve that for another time. When because I, I, saw certain, I saw a certain post on Facebook that made me think <laughs> that you have a leaky abstraction layer when it comes to hiding your... <laughs> I'm very direct, and when I, when I think so, and I just tell them so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, it got a like. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Oh, brother. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like, if it didn't get a like on Facebook, if that comment didn't get a like on Facebook, it would have been like a high five left hanging. It would have been really awkward. Awkward turtle. But yeah, we can talk about who is doing work that you're jealous of and why. I haven't thought Or who's thought doing work it. that you admire. Maybe we could just smash, smash up, mash up. Smash up. Smashing pumpkins. Mm. I mean, I like Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. I admire Billy Corgan for his unique <laughs> ro- his unique rock rock voice. Mm. I don't. Well, wh- what work do you admire? And what domain are we talking about? Any work? It could be. I. I mean, I haven't really thought about this question. We don't have to do it. Oh. It could be any domain, though. In my mind, it was it was sort of. It was sort of, do you have, do you have people out there, you know, do, do you have role models out there that, you know, that you look up to that, who, whose work that you consider to be of high quality and something that you would, I guess, theoretically like to be able to, um, maybe not do the same work, but do work at that level. Mm-hmm. The first person who came to mind was Bill Gates and what he's doing with the Gates Foundation. Oh, really? And yeah. I didn't think of any tech product or, or service. Um, mostly because when he came by the, the couple times to our office for, for various meetings and Q&A and stuff with the team, I just felt like he was so uh, remarkably intelligent and knew our domain very deeply. And then when, and when fielding some other completely like random other question of like malaria or or whatever he just had that great depth in that domain too and i was just like how does all that stuff fit in your head and Mm. how does that work like you know all the stuff that he's enabled how does that how does that even happen i don't know if that answers your question yeah i think money is how that how that happens i (laughs) I think you're i think you're right though that it i think from the outside looking in a lot of people see can see what um what 
what Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation are doing in like this very cynical light. But when you meet when you meet him and you meet his team and stuff, it's very clear that they are super engaged and dedicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to your point, they have uh, a really deep knowledge of the of the domains in which they are uh, in which they're sort of investing. And I think that's that's one of the. I mean, it's one of the things that's interesting to me is that you know we we've met a lot of let's say uh esteemed individuals yeah and, and and people who have taken that esteem which usually has translated into some form of personal wealth and and tried mm-hmm. to turn that for good mm-hmm. i'll try to try to use that for good it starts out sort of in this naive way uh and I, I think they, they admit that also where they're, they're kind of like exploring the idea of being involved in this other way with solutions to problems. Because I, I think that's the thing that's the, that's the thing that ties those folks together for me is that they're kind of coming from this space of I the way that I made my way in the world was solve a hard problem. And the type of philanthropy that's being done is sort of an extension of that, which is I may not be solving all these problems by myself anymore, but I'm going to find people who I think are capable of doing the work to solve these problems. And so you, I, I, I think, yeah, there's just a lot of honesty there that I think people, or at least I've seen, you know, uh, people be cynical of, including myself uh, in the past. So I definitely, uh, I definitely think that, yeah, there's, there's a lot to admire there. For sure. Yeah. For for me, like I, I was thinking more along the lines of, um, you know, more along the lines of uh, of people that I uh, that I think are doing really interesting that I think are doing really interesting work. Uh, and I was sort of more, I don't know, I guess in touch with the. Uh, I was thinking more along the lines of not necessarily just tech products, but products that, that I admire, uh, you know, I, I've watched countless, <laughs> I've watched a bunch of documentaries and stuff on, um, uh, Ray and Charles Eames, for example, who are famous, uh, for furniture creation and design. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, I see I there are a lot of parallels I could draw to for example like Johnny Ive and the stuff that he's been doing at Apple uh but what's interesting for me is the the parallel that I wanted to draw there was that I also don't think of necessarily of software people <laughs> when I think of <laughs> the people I most admire and I, I don't know there, there's something in the back of my head there about you know maybe maybe I want to I don't know like building my deck at home which I, I mean, we can, we can talk about at some point, but the <laughs> was this very satisfying experience in a way that, you know, making software, I, I don't think has ever quite lived up to that level uh, mm-hmm. of satisfaction. I've sort of the, there's something, there's something very tangible. Uh, literally. <laughs> literally and figuratively. Yes. <laughs> uh, about working on a physical product that I, you know, I wind up really admiring, uh, my, admiring folks that, that do that. I, I love the, I don't know, I guess in my mind, it, it was like this romantic ideal of the constraints of the physical and how that really makes you think about how to literally fit things together mm-hmm. um, and how the materials, you know, affect the process that you have to use. And they're more limited. Correct. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking about things in addition to what do I want the end product to look like? 
uh, you're thinking about things like fasteners and uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there was something very romantic about that to me always, I, I guess, I don't know, growing up, my dad worked with his hands a lot. He built a lot of things around the house. Maybe I have this sort of, you know, oh boy, it's therapy time with Jason again. <laughs> but maybe I, I, I mean, I associate those things, you know, I have good memories about mm -hmm. the, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so when I look at the, when I look at the products, the physical products, the physical things that people make that I really love, uh, uh, there is definitely this romantic nature to my appreciation of those things. But then I layer on top of that sort of seeing, I mean, the benefit of having documentaries about how people work is that you can kind of see how, what the process was that led people to build these certain things. And, you know, for, for example, you know, these, the, the, the famous Eames chairs and stuff, all they were built out of this fantastic set of constraints, which was they wanted the chairs to be affordable. So they were looking for materials that they could mass produce inexpensively. Uh, and they picked plywood as this base material to work with. And, but no one had worked with it in that way before. And so they had to develop completely new processes to actually shape and mold the chairs in order to accomplish what they wanted. And so uh, that, I just connected with that on this very visceral level. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when I think about people uh, I, I admire, it's, it's typically people who are making physical, physical goods. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at these chairs now. They look very nice. And I'm sure they're, they're comfortable. And they probably won't break like the ones in our office. The fake the knockoff <laughs> versions. Yeah, those knockoffs are pretty, are pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> Every meeting, someone falls off the chair. Yeah, I, I there there's something else here too, which is um, which I think I I appreciate, which is the the idea of constraints here is very obvious, right? Like the 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 implications of the constraints are very obvious. You know, they're working with specific materials. They're working with er, like human ergonomics. They want you know mm -hmm. bodies to fit the, in these things and be comfortable. Um, and I, I think the, uh, there's, there's something about that, that, that I think applies really well, but maybe not in an obvious way to the stuff that, uh, mm. software designers do on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are other resources that are, I, I, I mean, some people, you know, there are cer certain products out there, designers that think about, uh, think about ergonomics, think about you know, usability b beyond the obvious, you know, do I know where to click kind of thing? Uh, and I aspire to that, but I definitely think that there's a lot, there's a lot to be learned, or at least I, I always, for when I'm thinking of places that I sort of garner inspiration, there's a lot that I, I get by interacting with physical products that I really, that I really enjoy. There's something, there's something magical you know, I, the, what's the, there's this, oh, I have to find a picture of it, but there's this really great, uh, photo or illustration maybe of if you were to scale the body by where, where our, our most active senses are, uh, it's, it's, it's this really here. I'll, I'll try to put it in the, um, Skype. I'll put it in the Skype body senses scale. 
I don't know if this is going to come up with anything. Uh-oh. Safe search on. <laughs> some weird things are coming up. Um, anyway, so it's like, I think it's our lips, our eyes, and our hands would be many, many times larger than they are now. <laughs> okay. So the, the idea being that we get a huge amount of feedback from these things that software frequently doesn't take advantage of. You know, mm -hmm. so software or software doesn't have a much of the software that is written doesn't have a mechanism to take advantage of. And so that is why I, I guess, I don't know, when I saw that, it made me think about mm -hmm. why I have a much stronger attachment to physical things than I do to right. digital things. And it's about, yeah, forming, forming associations with experiences and, and these senses in your mind. And that's why we have such fond memories and like a certain, a sudden smell can trigger all these different things of like, oh, it's Christmas, like cinnamon's like, oh, it's Christmas or it's like the holidays and you feel. Or, or it's Joanne like a, Fabrics. Yeah, or it's Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> That's what that's what it triggered for me. <laughs> cinnamon, really? The, have you ever been into a crafting store? They always smell like fake cinnamon, like cinnamon candles. Wow. When you go into a crafting store, it's just a crazy assault of. That's true. I'm always struck by the the fake foliage that's always in the front. Yeah, what is up? Who who needs fake <laughs> foliage? <laughs> Wait, but I I was going. I had a oh, point sorry. still. Sorry, so, go so for we'll it. go back to the fake foliage later, but. I've never really had a strong connection with a website. Like I use them all the time. I, I make, we make one together, but there's not like a, like, oh yeah, I remember back like five years ago when we were doing this thing and we were all on my computer, like yeah. <laughs> looking at this website. Yeah. No, <laughs> we were like out on the beach and it was beautiful and the water was cold and the breeze was refreshing and mm -hmm. all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, fake foliage. What's yeah, up with no, that? No, no. <laughs> I, I, so one, I, I think you're making a really interesting point, which is for me, I see a lot of my interactions with computers as enabling other things, mm. enabling me to go do other things. The things that I have the most appreciation for are frequently the things that allow me either give me the knowledge and or ability or are somehow enable me to do something else. Like well, scheduling communication. Sure, Google learning. Maps, getting getting yeah. getting where I need to go. Uh, yeah. I have a strong appreciation for that. I mean, I obviously, uh, I think that for a lot of people, Khan Academy, they don't love it because they love being on a website. They love it because of what it enables for them, right? The ability to yeah. pass a class or to understand something they didn't understand before. Yeah. Uh, prepare for a test or whatever it is. Um, and, and there's, there's something, there's something sort of powerful there. I think the things where I have had emotional attachments in the past, but they've, well, I'll get to that in a second, but that I have had emotional attachments to certain digital things in the past, but they've always been relatively short lived and they've mostly been, uh, they've mostly been like games and my characters mm -hmm. within games. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like that one fellow i forget his name but he is one of the twitter people remember he came mm. by the office yeah 
But anyway, whatever his name was, and I'm sure he's one of two people possible, but um, he was saying something how technology is best when, when it's out of the way. And I suppose that's true. Like, I think his example was, can you hear my tummy rumbling? Because <laughs> I can hear it and it's really loud. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. I've been really self-conscious for the past five minutes. No, I can't hear it. <laughs> Good. Um, anyway, the... Our visitor, uh, our visitor said how. You mean Jack Dorsey, right? Oh, Jack! I wasn't sure what his name was, but I remember he was very stylishly dressed. Yes. Yes, Jack. Fancy so, Jack. Fancy Jack. I'm sure he loves that. Now he sounds moniker. like a pirate. <laughs> fancy Jack. Arr! <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Anyway. So when, when Jack came by the office, he gave a spiel about how technology is best when it isn't notice, noticed at all. And the example he gave was power outlets, like the plugs, mm -hmm. and how uh, we depend on it so much, but we never really think about it until it goes wrong. When it, it stops working, or we can't find one, or like there's only two prongs and we need three, or, or whatever reason, and it gets in our way. And so maybe that's the way many websites are. They, they enable us to do something else, even though we spend a lot of time trying to make that, that website experience enjoyable. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely correct. I, I think Thank you. You know? You know? <laughs> you know? I hate you so much. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not coming into the office today then. <laughs> hey. So the I think the important thing is that what he was specifically referring to are things that are utilities and mm -hmm. uh, like the like electricity. Mm -hmm. Which you just sort of expect to work. And that's sort of understandable from the position that he is operating, which is having created things which are essentially utilities. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Twitter is a, if it is successful, Twitter is a utility. It is a ubiquitous thing that many people use that works in a very reliable and specific way mm -hmm. that you don't have to think about how it is going to be used. It just kind of is there for you. And the other thing is that it is specific enough to be creatively used. Um, I, I think, and what I mean by that is that Twitter, you know, obviously it has a very narrow set of functions. Uh, you can type into a box up to 140 characters mm -hmm. and that message will go out into the world to some set of people. That's basically it. That's all that Twitter really does. Yeah. But it can be used really creatively. And that's the other thing about about a utility is that it doesn't necessarily define its use. Right. Um, so I think Google and a couple of other things also work like that. They're, they're utilities. They're sort of the plumbing. They're the plumbing of the of the Internet. Yeah. Uh, and but there are there are other there. There is software that people create relationships with. There is software in the world that people turn to for specific types of help uh, or turn to for specific types of work um, that aren't utilities in the same sense that I think are really uh, th that are really valuable to a certain extent I think so Stack Overflow for example you might mm could be considered a utility because it is a general purpose question and answer thing but the way they designed it because they thoughtfully said that 
question and answer has been done many times on the internet has failed miserably for various for a, a set of reasons and the primary reason that they identified was that people didn't know what they were asking and answering questions on and so what happened was the community started to treat that resource in a variety of different ways which made it really difficult to have high quality questions and answers so mm -hmm. it would start as as a q a session and it would devolve into a conversation and so you would get out of the here's some factual information that answers your question and into the here's an opinion and some sort of rant about why you're dumb for even thinking about using that other thing uh that that, that was oh the wait that's hacker news isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i they identified that as being a major problem. And as a result, they sort of narrowed the scope of, of the content of the site and they created moderators and stuff to mm -hmm. sort of police that. And the way they're trying to turn themselves into utility is by making many sites where this thing is sort of copied over and over again, but the site itself is sort of narrowly defined. Yeah. So, so they have a network of sites that when taken all together kind of comprise the utility. Uh, but I, I guess the, the reason why I point that one out is uh, I would say that uh, it, it is a Stack Overflow is definitely sort of a, a, a machete as opposed to a Swiss Army knife, right? It does one thing really well, which is mm -hmm. for a given topic, get high quality questions and answers. Uh, and that's much more narrow than what Twitter does or much more narrow than even what Facebook does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and certainly much more narrow than I think what Google does because Google search box has become this incredible. I mean, you can type anything into there. <laughs> it's a dictionary. It's the weather person. Yeah. It's a, it's a currency converter. Currency converter. It can tell me how many calories are in X, Y, or Z. I, I Have mean, you seen that? The nutrition facts? No. Yeah. Wait, look so up, like how look up tomato. No, just look up tomato. Tomato what <laughs> yeah <laughs> i saw that because i was trying to see if tomatoes and potatoes both pluralize the same way i always mix that up 22 calories in one medium <laughs> whole tomato two to three and a half inches in diameter mm -hmm. that seems like a pretty pretty is that two i don't know how to read that actually two and three-fifths inches in diameter? What is that saying? All right, well, know. they win for having the calories there, they lose for ambiguously defining how big of a tomato they are talking about. <laughs> oh, no, no, they're 123 Wait, look, grams. That's the problem. This is the, the, one, the two what? inches in diameter thing, that's... That's not how real, that's not how the rest of the world measures tomatoes probably in, in diameter. They probably measure them in weight. Oh, yeah. Wait, oh my gosh, you could switch between different types of tomatoes. So can, green, orange, red, red cooked, red stewed, yellow. So here we go. 100 grams of tomatoes has 18 calories. That seems like a pretty, a pretty measurable thing. Anyway, it's really awesome. <laughs> they got potassium. Dietary fiber, some vitamin C and A. Well, are these homegrown tomatoes or are these bad tomatoes? I don't know. From Florida. I don't get me started. <laughs> I only said that <laughs> to provoke you. Yeah. That's cool. That's that, 
tomatoes and Florida for another time. Yeah, another time, another day. Wait, mm -hmm. so does potato also have this information? Potato. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it does. A lot more calories in potatoes. Yeah. And I like how it's a heart shaped potato. Oh, I see that. <laughs> Should we put Google in our show notes? <laughs> I think we need to put these specific searches in the show notes. Okay. Potato. Man. <laughs> that is pretty cool. That is mm -hmm. pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Sources include USDA. I like that. They pick the most authoritative source <laughs> that they have, and they put that sources include. So it could be, I mean, any, this information could have come from anywhere, but it also may <laughs> include information from the USDA. <laughs> That's uh, true. So anyway, so you can type anything you want into Google, and mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this Omnibox sort of figures out what it is that you're trying to trying to find out and you know obviously they've done that by watching for years what people search for and then what they click on uh so i i think this is this is science right they've done it with science but at this at the same token it's sort of this fantastic utility right which is a box that you can type basically any question you want into and get a reasonable answer back mm -hmm. yeah uh and i, I, I think... clicked on usda.gov and it's not working <laughs> Government shut down. <laughs> that is funny. Wait, they have they have to shut down the websites. Yeah, I guess they can't. That's been they in the can't news. pay for hosting. Oh, <laughs> news! So quaint. I don't. I haven't been. Uh, I get my news from the Daily Show. Oh well, yeah. the The websites are all shut down, and I also was listening to. KQED or whatever, and they were saying how um, a lot of scientists are super frustrated because they're they're supposed to be hearing back about their grants that they've received, and they they can't access it because a lot of these grants are federal. So they're they're in research limbo. Oh, that does suck. Mm -hmm. And some of these researchers are in Antarctica, where it really matters if you know money's coming in and you can pay for things and and keep the whole operation going. Yeah, I guess you don't want to run out of heat. Mm -hmm. and water I, I think there are <laughs> several important resources which are hard to come by in antarctica yes hmm well not to dwell on that it seems like government should also be a utility that works in a in a way that you understand <laughs> and expect and is really reliable and you don't have to think about but you know maybe that's asking too much yeah <laughs> so so back to uh Back to the other kinds of things in the world that aren't that aren't utilities. They're, these are sort of the mm -hmm. the what I would call boutique things, things that you turn to for a specific purpose. And I think the reason why, so when I think of, I, I put I put Khan Academy in that category mm. because no one's cracked the nut on how to turn education into a utility. I mean, one of the things that Khan Academy is actively working against is sort of the, the utility version of education that exists in, in the world. Or mm. let, let's say working to try to find a way to improve. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that has a lot to do with many, many things that people who have been developing software for a long time have learned about, in turn, it, which includes like motivation and uh, sort of, I, I guess, mental tax. Uh, mm -hmm. 
the the reason why this nut hasn't been cracked is because there are so many different approaches to the there's so much information about the way people learn and so little um so little actual application of science in the delivery of learning that it, it is it is kind of at this point you know very much a, a boutique thing the the reason why well this is not this is a little unfair of a characterization characterization but i think there it's going to take a long time for Khan Academy to reach the level of, of, of like a, a Twitter where we have some general purpose learning tool. So many other sites have tried to tried to do this, right? Um, uh, I can think of like five, five companies off the top of my head that have taken a stab at let's make a general purpose learning tool. And what happens is you have to narrow the product so much that I think people, it, it, it sort of necessarily limits what the thing what the thing can do, and so it it narrows the definition of kind of what learning is and how you evaluate learning to a very tiny tiny thing in order to make it universal enough for lots and lots of people to use. Uh, and so I think yeah. we're starting from a different place, which is we want, you know, it's our goal isn't to start with lots of people and give them some sort of general purpose utility. Uh, our goal is to start with an audacious goal, which is people meaningfully learning difficult things from the ground up and mm -hmm. then hopefully we can build that in a way that spreads to more and more people um and so i, I think it's going to take a long time for mm. for Khan Academy to reach the kind of scale that uh that that twitter or something or something like that has but to be fair it's Khan Academy has scaled much faster than I thought it would to this point. So, <laughs> so I'm probably not the best, the best judge uh, of this particular thing. I just, uh, yeah, I, I think there's, there's something less ubiquitous about uh, a site, uh, about anything that does help someone do something really hard as opposed to uh, a tool that helps people with a really well understood problem or a really narrow problem. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I guess part of me believes that someday I think we aspire to build, you know, a kind of hammer, uh, if you will, for education, which is, you know, hammers have an obvious use and then they have some creative uses. You can use hammers to do things <laughs> that people didn't necessarily expect. You can use them, I mean, just a simple example, you could turn it to the side and use it to, you know, uh, I don't know, to knock a, uh, an example from my deck, to, to bang a... Where is this going? A, you turn it to the side and you use it to hit the end of a, um, a, a floorboard. Because if you hit it with the head of the hammer, right, uh, that, that puts a lot of force in a very small area. And so what happens is you can split the end of a board by, uh, by hitting it with the head of the hammer. But you turn the hammer to the side and you hit it with that broad, the, the broad side of the hammer you distribute that force over a larger area and you can actually use it to knock the board into place without damaging it. Hmm. Uh, force but, over area. Right. Mm -hmm. But my point being that hammers weren't necessarily <laughs> designed to be used that way. It's uh -huh. just that, so they have an obvious suggested use, but they can be used in other ways. Um, hmm. And I think that to me, that's the sign of a, you know, that, 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 that's a sign of a good tool, which is that when you pick it up, you kind of know how to use it. Uh, sort of either instinctively or it the design itself sort of suggests a use mm -hmm. but the tool is flexible enough to help you solve other problems if you need to in the short term solve that other problem um, 
with the with, where your constraint is i have this tool and i have to solve this other problem mm-hmm. so I, I think that's the that's the sort of hallmark of a good tool and i think mm-hmm. I, I hope that's where where khan academy gets to I don't. Sure. I, I think it's a hammer without the broadside right now. I guess is what I'm saying. I think it does a couple of specific things pretty well, but I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it is a general purpose tool yet. I don't know if it's even quite a, a hammer <laughs> without the general purpose. So what are we talking about? Utilities. Yes. Hmm. Where do we start? People's work that we admire. Uh, oh, so the thread that connects these things together for me is uh, I, I definitely I definitely have admiration for people who have created these amazing utilities. Mm-hmm. But, 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 I, and I think that more of them will be created. I don't think we have seen the limit yet of what the internet can can do for us in terms of things that would become a part of our our of most people's daily lives. And that's, and I hope K is moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. But I, but I feel like so much of life, so much of life happens outside of the confines of something that can be even expressed and or helped by the stuff that's working, that's happening on a computer. Mm-hmm. And so that, that is why I feel like my, you know, my admiration extends beyond people who are doing cool things with uh with computers Hmm. Hmm. this is where i press the applause button and then applause would would sound (sighs) (laughs) splash that's the crowd going wild (laughs) i know you didn't have to tell it to me i guess to our listeners if you don't edit that out I was thinking about, I was thinking about the first job that I ever had. The printing one. Yeah, well, that's not the first job I ever had. Oh. I was, that's the first real job I had. So I, was, I should rephrase by saying I was thinking about the first real job I ever had. Before I had that job, mm-hmm. I had many other jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I mowed lawns. I worked in mm-hmm. restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from those. I think there's some. There's definitely some, some stories. <laughs> definitely some stories about those but i was thinking in the context of this question of work work that i care about or work that i admire one of the things that i enjoyed most about that job was the sort of physicality of it the thing the the that we were making a physical product Hmm. was something that i really enjoyed and i really enjoyed working with the people who are making the physical product and the biggest payoff for me from that experience was really all about um, helping helping people who are working on making these books uh, to be more comfortable. So whether it was just making mm-hmm. the things more efficient for them or rearranging, literally rearranging the furniture, uh, mm-hmm. there was something very satisfying about uh, sort of that deep connection to what was going on there and to the the sort of the human factors of what mm-hmm. was happening there. So I, I don't, I, I, there was, there was something very deeply satisfying about that. And there was also that, but that job was horrible for many other reasons. It's just, that just happens to me. <laughs> I'm just glossing over all the things that made that job terrible. 
And I was going to say, I have never heard this part of that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there was something very, I think part of the reason why, why I stuck with a job that was, I would say, well, certain, certain people in that, in my experience there were, were very demoralizing. Uh, mm -hmm. But the reason I stuck with it was because of this part of the work that I really, that I really liked. Yeah. There's a difference between technology that clearly enables things, which I feel like K falls into that category of technology that enables people to do something difficult that they weren't able to do before easily. Um, there's a difference mm -hmm. between working on something like that and working on just technology stuff. Mm hmm. And for me, the projects that I've been happiest working on in my life are all things that fell into the category of technology that clearly is helping people in to to do mm -hmm. something, enabling them to do something that that wasn't trivial or easy for them to do before. It's making that slightly more easy or slightly more trivial. Those are the projects that that I like, and I, I think there's a and and to me that's the connection that that's how I at least rationalize, I guess, the connection to, uh, you know, or the equivalence between that and working on something that helps people in the physical world. Hmm. Some technology has uh, direct impact on people's physical well-being. You know, for for example, in that um, in that first job in the factory where people were were sort of constructing these books, uh, I had to think about a way to make it so that they didn't have to interact with the computer in order to process an order. So it was a combination of, um, basically if you're thinking, think about any order processing system that has phases where you're like, okay, step one, you, you print stuff. Step two, you score stuff. Uh, and you, you collate the printed stuff into the right order and then you score the edges of it or whatever so that it's ready for binding. Step three, you actually put it in this machine and it gets bound. Step four, it gets packed and shipped. Mm -hmm. uh, the binding process, you know, it's very, this very sort of, uh, it was driven around this, this machine that was pretty big um, and it was a huge slowdown and a real like physical annoyance to have to interact the, the, with a computer to process an order. And so one of the things that we did was we found these barcode scanners that were programmable and we made it so that they could actually like get people by when you scan the barcode, it would like take some steps after that. So it would walk people through a form uh, on the web uh, and they wouldn't have to like get a keyboard and mouse in order to move on to the next step. And that made a huge difference. That made a huge mm -hmm. difference in, in those people's, you know, the people working that machine, it made a huge difference in their lives. Uh, e even though it was a relatively small thing, it, it made it so that they could move faster and that they could context switch less and that they would not have to do this thing, which was actually kind of ergonomically terrible, uh, which was like lean over on the, to, to get this computer thing when, because you couldn't put it anywhere near the machine because of the way the machine was set up. <laughs> anyway, so there are, there are things um, there are things like that, that I, I, I guess those are the moments that I enjoy the most is seeing the connection between the, the thing that I have made and sort of the effect that it has on, um, on human ability to do a difficult task.
Uh, and so, yeah, that's the, to me, that's the, that's the thing that I'm looking for. That's the feeling that I'm looking for when I kind of pick a project. And when I look at other people's work, that's the thing that I admire, that I admire most. Hmm. Too deep. It's just like that Mariah Carey song. Sing it for me. Mm -mm. But <laughs> I will reference it. Doesn't she say too deep, too deep? Wait, which song are you talking about? Give me the melody. I can't think of it. We belong together. Wait a minute, this is too deep. Parentheses, too deep. <laughs> I gotta change the station, so I turn the dial. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Ryan, <laughs> Carrie, and I are on the same wavelength. Spotify. That is an emotional jam. Anyway, okay, Spotify, I'm turning it off now. Okay, turn it off. All right, yeah. well, I think we should wrap this up. Okay, good work. Yeah, good work. What are you doing? Oh, sorry, I was snapping along to a Sweet Mariah Carey song. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I have there's a spot in my in my heart which is reserved for Mariah Carey. Rockets. Yes. Yeah. Just picture picture that. Picture me in a sound studio. <laughs> in the airplane. And I'll have one of those uh those privacy sweaters over my head. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? What is it? Privacy sock? Uh, I'm not searching for that. Safe search on. <laughs> Safe search know. on. Yes. Okay, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. What is it? <laughs> it looks so scary. <laughs> <laughs>